Hello, and welcome to the Keys to Spiritual Fulfillment podcast, where we'll identify and explore ways we can become the best human beings we can be. Compassionate, wise, loving, confident, and courageous. I'm Reverend Dr. Arvid Strabe, your host, and I've been helping people grow spiritually for more than 40 years. I've been a congregational leader, a trained spiritual director, and a meditation coach, and I've been a lifelong student of spiritual practices and traditions. You may be listening to this podcast because you want to know how you can realize more of your potential as a human being, and you're wondering about what practices you can undertake to realize this next stage of your development. Now, first of all, let me talk about meditation. It's the quintessential form of personal development and transformation. And that's been shown by a whole lot of studies, and there are more of them all the time. It's an excellent way to uh, change our brain image, uh, our, our brains for the better. That's been possible because of brain imaging technology. That's been showing that a regular meditation practice can actually remodel our brains, as I said, practice regularly over time. This creates a calmer, kinder, less reactive human being and generates a sense of thriving and well-being, not affected by outer conditioning. Now, you could do well to make regular meditation practice a foundation of your life practice. Future episodes will be talking a lot more about meditation. That's kind of my thing as a meditation coach. But uh, meditation on its own is not completely sufficient. If we're going to develop holistically, there are other areas of our lives that need attention. So the work that was done by people like George Leonard, Michael Murphy, and Ken Wilber have identified what they call integral transformative practice, ITP, to describe a balanced approach to human transformation. The premise of ITP is simple. We adopt practices that help us to develop in four areas, mind, body, heart, and spirit. Practices of the mind increase our knowledge of the world. Body practices help us to be in touch with our physical selves and keep our bodies vital and as healthy as possible. Heart practices cultivate our our relationship with ourselves and with others. And spiritual practices begin, bring us to get in touch with the unseen sources of our being. More on this later. So integral transformative practice, ITP, or it sounds a bit pretentious. Maybe we should just call it whole human practices. So what are these whole human practices? Well, let's start with the mind practices. This is learning, learning skills, seeking knowledge. Now, it's this learning, lifelong learning, is a very vital part of becoming the best humans we can be. This is especially important in later life, at a time uh, when you're like my age, 
uh, because learning new skills or subjects helps us guard against senility and dementia by creating more neural pathways. Our brains actually get bigger, better, more complex. So you want to look at having one or more of these mind practices, something that you do regularly. So any kind of reading and study is helpful like this. Listening to podcasts, if they're not just fluff and entertainment, but are about learning about a subject or a skill. Discussion and debate with one friend or a group. We'll be talking later in a different episode about how important it is to be part of a group where you can discuss your deepest yearnings and your most important feelings. Writing and journaling is a mind practice, and this is a twofer, actually, because it's also a very good spirit practice. It's a good spiritual practice, fits into the category of spiritual practice. Pursuing a degree or a certificate. So now we're starting to talk about those kinds of skills that actually help develop our brains and guard against later dementia And those are new skills or new knowledge or new subjects. So pursuing a degree or certificate can be really helpful here. And it's especially good if you're like me and you need a goal, something to work towards, something to motivate you. So going for a particular degree or qualification or or certificate is a really good way to develop the mind. Or you can just do continuing education classes, learning about new topics. As your uh, desire leads you or your interests lead you. Now, learning a new subject, and especially a foreign language, is very helpful in guarding against dementia and mental decline. Learning a foreign language really engages a whole different part of the brain. And, and engaging a, another different part of the brain would be learning to play a musical instrument or, a completely, or learning a new craft or starting a new art practice, art form, painting, sculpting. Of course, a lot of us love book groups. And boy, that can be so interesting and helpful. And that, and then there are study groups where you get together with other people who are studying a particular kind of subject. So these are the mind practices. Think about this. Are there some of those you're already doing? If not, which ones of them appeal to you so that you can start? Are there any other ones that you'd like to start, even if you already do have another mind practice? So let's shift now to to body practices. Uh, This is really important. You know, we hear a lot about many, if not most podcasts are like about fitness and nutrition, about obsession with our bodies. 
And some of the information in these podcasts is confusing, contradictory. But basically, we really do want to have practices that help us maintain, create, and maintain healthy bodies. Good exercise and uh, good nutrition. And beyond that, a lot of us in our Western society live at a short distance from our body. We're always in our head. We don't even know what our bodies are doing, what they need. But there's a great deal of wisdom in the body. And a lot of spiritual traditions and especially indigenous traditions are about really getting in touch and understanding the body and its messages for us. So, for instance, this ancient practice that's become so popular and and often uh, turned into just another fitness fad, but in its uh, traditional forms, uh, yoga is a beautiful twofer here, okay? So if you do a yoga practice with... uh, bringing attention to the physical sensations of the posture that you're doing and the breath as you, as you go about this. This is also a, a real, genuine, actual form of meditation. As we get older, we start to lose muscle mass, and that can lead to all kinds of problems later in life. So it's important to have some kind of strength training. Now, weightlifting is fun for a lot of people. Not, maybe not at first, but after a while, especially if you uh, find someone like in a gym who can teach you the proper techniques. So weight training, of course, is, is ideal, but there are all kinds of other forms of strength training that you can do where you don't have to go to a gym, like resistance bands or, or dumbbells or even body resistance practices like push-ups, squats. And, you know, again, the world of podcasts uh, is full of these. Just make sure that they're not the latest fad or make unusual promises or difficult promises, but people who have really good credentials about exercise So it's really important to keep our strength up. And, of course, that's another thing that yoga does. I'm a big fan of yoga. Pilates, too. Now, I haven't done a lot of Pilates, but I know this is also a very effective form of strength training, breath training, balance training, uh, especially core training. And, of course, there's cardio training, uh, which is getting your heart and lungs to work a bit harder so they can work more effectively when you're not training. Now, one of my my areas of expertise is not diet and eating, but conscious eating, I think, is something that you can consider. Conscious eating is being aware of, let me give you an example. Say you have a plate of your favorite food. You pick up your fork, you notice the sensation of the fork in your hand, you smell the food, appreciate the food. Then you take one bite of food, lift it up to your mouth, hold it in your mouth for a while and get the taste. 
and get this change of the sense of the taste as you chew slowly and mindfully. It's really useful to have those first three bites of every meal done mindfully. Or a lot of people have had a lot of success with weight management by trying to do as much conscious eating throughout the meal as they can. And of course, having a balanced diet. Now, I've struggled with you know, eating my whole life. I love the things that aren't so good for me. And I found that not ever having them backfires. So one of the successful strategies that I've had is to gradually add as opposed to subtract. Adding fruits and vegetables, adding legumes, nuts, other highly nutritious things. And that naturally pushes out some of the less desirable things. Again, this is, not an, this is an area for further study on your own, but paying attention to what you eat will have great benefits for your present and future health. And then there's some twofers. I like these twofers where they fit into more than one category. You know, I talked about yoga, you know, being a twofer. Um, that's both a body practice and a spirit practice. So is Tai Chi, which is a form of moving meditation from China, and its related form, which is called Qigong. My understanding from people who are really into martial arts that there is or can be a good deal of present moment awareness and other spiritual elements to pursuing martial arts. And let's not forget that moving our bodies can be fun in the form of sports and games like pickleball is all the rage right now or golf or anything that moves the body. It's a great idea to just be sure that you do some, you move your body some way every day and sports can be a good way to do that. Dance, <laughs> love, a lot of people just love to dance. It's a way of really being in touch with your body and getting out of the worries of your mind. Of course, some of us are pretty self-conscious about that. And don't forget just plain old walking. You know, if you have been very sedentary and it's difficult for you to move, you can start slowly walking one block, the next day walking two blocks, and so on until you can confidently and happily walk for, say, an hour at a time. And, you know, one thing that I've taken up that I think is a great idea, which is if there's less than four flights of stairs for me to get to another level of a building, walk it, take the stairs. So we've talked about mind practices. We've talked about body practices. Now let's talk about heart practices. Heart practices include uh, those that develop a self-understanding, that enhance our compassion for others, and that improve our relationships with others and really with the world. So here is where we develop our emotional selves and our connective selves and our loving selves. So often, because of the conditioning we've had when we were early, 
early in our lives, we get stuck. And that's why I'm a great believer in psychotherapy. A skilled therapist, one that's matched to you, can really help you get unstuck to live a happier life, to get over your barriers. Now, it's important to have a a good therapist because not all of them are really good. And it's important to have one that you gel with. It's even though, you know, there's a shortage right now of mental health professionals and therapists, it's worth the effort to interview several and to find one that you really can connect to, one that you can trust. You know, I've got a lot of friends and who are into dream work. And they find dream work to be an extremely interesting and powerful way of self-understanding. I haven't done a lot of dream work, but I know it can be very useful. And, the, and working with some of the dreams that I've had has, has brought tremendous in, insights that I don't think I would have had any other way. So you could pursue dream work if that interests you. Here's a twofer again, journaling. Okay, journaling can be a spiritual practice as well as a heart practice. And there's been some very solid research that shows that if you are going through a tough time in your life, sitting down and just writing, 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 writing in a journal can be extremely healing and helpful. 12-step programs. That's more than a twofer. That's a threefer or a fiver or something like that. Especially if you have some kind of addiction. I'm 13 years sober as an alcoholic. And my experience with 12 steps leads me to have the the utmost respect for this form of not just heart practice, but spirit practice. It helps us to recognize and understand ourselves, to quit lying to ourselves. It helps us to be open with other people, heal our relationships, continue to do self-reflection, and keep our relationships with ourselves and with others clean. It's a very powerful practice. And As a student of spiritual practices, you know, with degrees about this stuff, it's brilliant what the founders of the 12-step movements were able to do, were able to combine of those great wisdom traditions into one clear program. And the ultra-spiritual practice, and this, again, is what most spiritual traditions recommend is doing good deeds. Giving money, philanthropy. Uh, It could be volunteer work or just being a person who will be there for other people who are going through a rough time. Heartfelt service. And of course, couples work. If you're in a committed relationship, or an important friendship. Now, this does not necessarily have to be couples therapy. It can be 
intentional planned work keeping your relationship healthy and vital. So we've talked about mind, body, heart. Now let's talk about what this podcast is ostensibly about, which is spiritual practices. Of course, I've talked about what a big payoff there is uh, with meditation, and there's so many different podcasts and programs, books that you can access to learn basic meditation techniques. I put some of them in the notes uh, for this episode. So I've already talked about meditation again that is the transformative practice par excellence, at least what we have evidence for. It remodels the brain for the better. It makes us our brains bigger in the areas where it's most helpful to live happily and effectively. Prayer. You might be surprised that I don't think you necessarily have to believe in a personal God to pray. One of my dear teachers, Gerald May, used to say that our holiest impulses are found in being totally honest with ourselves. What are our deepest longings? That, he says, is where God is found. So, There'll be another podcast where I really get into this uh, topic of prayer. And, uh, and I think it'd be very useful for you to listen to that one. Mindful yoga, as I said, that's a twofer. Sacred singing and chanting, sacred dance like Sufi dancing. Mantra practice. Now, mantra practice can be a form of formal meditation where you say a sacred word and keep bringing your attention back to that. That is a meditation, a formal meditation practice. But a lot of mantra practice can be saying that word whenever you remember throughout the day till it just becomes a part of you. That might appeal to you. Of course, worship and congregational life, if you found a healthy congregation, can, is really important. It can be really helpful. And as a spiritual director, I recommend that you look at the possibility of having a spiritual director, someone that you can talk to on a regular basis about your spiritual journey, your life journey, and how it's going. If you can, there is a huge payoff in having time away in a separate place for a spiritual retreat, whether it be guided or on your own. To have silence, to have simplicity, to really, really emphasize mindfulness, prayer or meditation, spiritual practice, is a powerful transformative tool. I can't recommend it highly enough. I would say that retreats in my own life along with the 12-step program, have been the most important tools for my own transformation. So let me end with, with this quote from uh, about whole human practices or 
integral transformative practice in a book by Michael Murphy and, and George Leonard called The Life We're Given. Here's what they write. When wisely pursued, such practices bestow countless blessings. If we do not obsess about the results, they make us vehicles of grace and reveal unexpected treasures. In this, they often seem paradoxical. They require time, for example, but frequently make more time available to us. They can slow time down and open us to the timeless moment from which we have arisen. They require sacrifice, but they restore us. While demanding relinquishment of established patterns, they open us to new love, new awareness, new energy. What we lose is replaced by new joy, beauty, and strength. They require effort, but become effortless. Demanding commitment, they eventually proceed like second nature. The need, they need a persistent will, but after a while flow unimpeded. Where they are hard to start, they eventually cannot be stopped. I'm convinced that the wisest way that we can use the precious moments of our lives, this is me now, is to develop our birthright of wisdom, love, service, compassion, and happiness through these practices that we've been talking about today. By dedicate just a portion of our time to these pursuits, we can, I'm convinced, acquire a happiness that is beyond outer conditions. Yeah, we will experience troubles and challenges. That's part of being human on this planet right now. But beneath the emotions of the moment, there's a sense of thriving, belonging, and joy. This has been the Keys to Spiritual Fulfillment podcast with Reverend Dr. Arvid Straubi. Let me respectfully remind you that life and death are of ultimate concern. Time passes swiftly by and opportunity is lost. Wake up, wake up. Do not squander your precious life. Till next time, blessings.